Welcome to the Slam Radio Podcast, featuring the Dono and Frito Show. Alex Dono and Josh Friedman with you until 1 p.m. today. Hope everyone's having a great week so far as uh, the weekend is coming up, man. These weeks are flying by these days. You know, I, I was just on uh, Frito. I was doing a little crosstalk with the Amigo, and, and I don't know why he thought I was going to spend uh, two hours talking into Miami today over the Miami Heat. But no, I, I, I wanted to lead off with the Miami what's, Heat. What's into Miami? Is, is oh, come sport? on. Come on. Yeah, it's a team. Come on, Frito. Oh, that, that's like uh, the thing on the other channel when I'm watching the Cubs games. <laughs> See, I consider the Cubs games to be the thing on the other channel when I'm watching. Hey, the they're matching numbers less than 10 right now. You don't disrespect my Cubs. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, I definitely uh, wanted us to lead off with the Miami <laughs> Heat today. They're okay. playing game two with the yep. Celtics at 7 o'clock tonight. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Frito, game one was just a magical roller coaster for me watching it as a Heat fan. Um, I Throughout most of that game, it just didn't feel winnable to me. I mean, the Celtics jumped out the gate. They had the 13-point early lead. Just felt like a bad matchup for Miami. But the Heat just kept scratching and clawing their way back in, despite some bad officiating, because the NBA's last two-minute report showed three poor calls, all benefiting Boston and going against the Heat. Got the game to overtime. Uh, Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero came alive late. Hero was fantastic all game. And then, as you've already pantomimed, we had one of the greatest blocks in NBA Finals history. Bam! Freaking Adebayo securing the win. Yeah, that, that was almost 48 hours ago. I'm still buzzing from that game one victory, Frito. An unbelievable block. You know, his wrist, if you look, it went way back. I'm amazed he almost didn't break that thing. What an incredible play. And it was, you know what? I mean, no, you didn't see the Celtics complain. That thing was all ball. Just what an effort play. And it showed he went out. He went out way away from the basket and realized what was happening and, and, and quickly hurried back to the basket. Unbelievable. Just, uh, I mean, that's inspiring. And, you know, you talk about the early third, third uh, or excuse me, the early 13-point lead. In basketball, I don't care if you're regular season or Eastern Conference playoffs or whatever, you never can say, all right, this lead is insurmountable, unless it's like 30-some points. I mean, teams come back, and there are big swings in basketball and and momentum shifts and everything like that. Yeah, 13-point lead looks dreadful, and you think that's a horrible hole to have to dig out of. But somehow teams do it there. It, it doesn't happen every game. Sometimes one team dominates, you know, and, and leads wire to wire. But there are other times frequently in basketball, these wild swings, you know, and all it takes is a bucket or two to get hot. And, and you know, for all my years of reporting in sports radio, I've always been interested in the, in the mental side of the game. And, boy, you hit a basket or two, and confidence goes way up. And even for the veterans who are just used to this stuff, if, if – the mental part of the game is so important and, and confidence is so fragile. I'm not saying they don't have confidence if they miss, but if they make a basket or two, all of a sudden that basket can look this wide. And, and it's just, you know, what a great swing. And, and you know, the heat came out with the fourth quarter. They weren't they fourth quarter still down. Like it was, it was double digits, 11, 12, 13, something like that. Yeah, I mean, in the late, maybe earlier, I think in the later stages, they were down eight, and you were starting to think. But at some point in the fourth quarter, they were yeah. down double digits. No, I think you're right about that. It might have been like a 12 point deficit early in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And then, I mean, even I was just telling uh, Larry that even when, when the game got to overtime, 
I still wasn't confident about the upcoming five minutes. Like, I, I don't know, in, in a weird way, like I, 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 maybe I was just sort of setting the bar low so I could be really happy if they won the game. But I just really at no point until, you know, the final, the final minute and seconds of overtime did I really think we're going to do this thing. We're going to win this game. And I don't know, but it, it, I think it's changed my outlook a bit into game two. And yeah, you'd probably expect, most people would expect, a Celtics response tonight because I think people are predicting a close series, maybe a seven gamer. So the heat are probably not going to take that two game lead. But uh, I think that watching this Miami heat team throughout the playoffs, I mean, the Indiana series was one thing because I didn't expect too much from Indiana. I didn't expect a sweep though. So the heat exceeded my expectations there. The Milwaukee Bucks series though, opened a lot of people's eyes that when you count out this Miami heat team, they just have a knack for flying under the radar with their depth because their rotation is uh, is very well-rounded. You don't lose a whole lot when the backups are in the game. And so they're just able to keep in game, scratch and claw. Their closing lineup is so strong. Like we saw the way that Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero really took over late in that game, that they're going to stick around. They're going to hang around and then become clutch in the late minutes. Like, yeah, I know a lot of people feel like tonight is the night the Celtics even it up, but I'm feeling strangely confident. Like, in a weird way, I feel more confident about game two than I felt in game one. Well, look, it's certainly if they win tonight, it's not over. But you think, especially with how well the Heat is playing, if they win tonight, I just can't. And it could happen. If they're not mathematically eliminated, the Celtics. But I'd be very surprised if the Celtics were able to win the next four out of five against the Heat. It just seems improbable. And I... I want to talk for. I want to go off on a tangent for a second. Talk about their college scouting. What was Hero, the 14th pick overall? And and I did a show from the AAA the night of the draft that Bam was pick number one. Well, he was in the mid teens, was he not? It wasn't a top ten pick. It was. I don't yeah, think they were. Uh, yeah, uh, Hero and Bam were 14th and 13 picks. Yeah, 14th and 13th. And look at the contribution these guys have made from you know, an early teens pick. You just maybe don't expect that. You know, people think, oh my God, I'm out of the top five. You know, now it's a big drop off. Look at what they've done with those two guys and how well they've developed. And both those guys, Bam, of course, first, but they're going to make a boatload of money and every penny of it is going to be deserved. I I have, can I tell a quick story? And then I want to get into a tweet that I saw. My wife, Jackie, is a veterinarian, as you know, and she had Wrigley into the clinic. Nothing was wrong, just to get some hair trimmed and all that. And she had him in a clinic on Tuesday and call, you know, she always calls on her way home and we talk. And she said, all right, I'm pulling in the driveway. And I said, do you need help? Yeah, yeah, I do. I I could use help. I went outside, you know, I was watching a heat game, hit pause, went outside and and was helping with Wrigley and everything, our dog and, and get everything settled in. And it was still early in the fourth quarter. And so I turned it on and, you know, the kids are down here and they're talking. I didn't need the sound as much. I was, that's fine. I just could watch the game. And uh, although I like it listening to Doris Burke and everything, she's off the charts. Great. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and we'll, we'll talk about that in female announcers and how a, a, a guy got a guy fired for tweeting against Maria Taylor. We're going to get into that later. Um, but so watching the game, Oh my God, they could actually tie this game up. And it was Boston missed the shot to win it, right? Or something like that. And it went to overtime. And I, oh, my God. This is so, this is just, oh, my God. And it's so exciting. And I thought, you know, I think I'm a couple seconds behind. And I start fast forwarding. 
And usually it fast forwards for five, 10, 10 seconds and I catch up and it kept going. I'm like, wait a minute. So I flip to another station and flip back, which all of a sudden will make me live. Uh, and instead of right at the beginning of the five minute overtime, all of a sudden there's just 12 seconds left. Oh my I, God. I could have watched the whole thing. I thought maybe I was just a minute behind or 30 seconds or 10 uh, seconds. Behind. <clears throat> but I hit pause when I went to help my wife. And I was on pause for probably a lot longer than I realized. <laughs> so I could have, and I could have watched the overtime, but all of a sudden I see there's 12 seconds left. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, we know what happened. Uh, then, but that was a little disconcerting. But that's I so read- funny. But but before you before you <laughs> say the tweet, I, I want to add something on that because I could remember. Uh, I think it was around. I want to say like 2006 or 2007 when I first started using DVR. Okay, when when that first became a really popular thing, and at that time, I loved it for sporting events for what you're saying because I could pause a live sporting event if I had to you know, go get a beer or, or maybe get some food on the tray to watch the rest of it. I didn't really care if I came back and, and I'm five, six, seven minutes behind. I can just click on pause and watch it. But what killed that for me? I don't do that anymore. Like I, I, I just pretend that the pause feature is not available during a sporting event because what killed it for me is I'm one of those people that for the most part, when I'm watching a game, if it's a team that I love, if it's a team I don't care about, maybe it's not a factor. But if I'm watching one of my teams, I'm also following people on Twitter, right? And kind of having a conversation about the game during the game. So I I can't be five minutes behind on a game uh, if I'm on Twitter because it's going to totally kill it and spoil it for me. And a a lot of times, uh, you know, for a big game, I'll be over at my parents' house and I'll watch a game with my dad. And he's because, you know, he's he's not on Twitter. He's like 70. Right. So he he's big on the whole pausing feature. But I tell it like, do not do it. Do not pause. Or if you did pause, we catch up during the commercial. Like, I can't have this because something's going to get spoiled for me. And if it doesn't get spoiled on Twitter, it could get spoiled through an ESPN notification or a Bleacher Report notification. Because once the game goes final, like the second the Heat win game one, I get a Bleacher Report notification right through on my iPhone that says Heat, you know, upset Celtics in game one. So I can't be five minutes behind on the game. So that has killed DVR for me. Yeah, you know, for some, a lot of times I have Twitter on during sporting events. I will tonight, you know, and I'll be watching tweets about the Heat, uh, about the uh, Thursday night football game, Browns, Browns, Bengals. Um, and I'm sure about the Cubs too. So I'll see tweets in every one of them. I didn't have Twitter open which is probably why I'm, I'm sure I didn't know uh, what was going on. I, did you ever – I'm going off on a tangent again. I want to get to this tweet in a minute. Like, let's say you, you were busy doing something, and you wanted to see a game. It didn't matter if it was, you know, Inter or whatever. It could be any sport. And you decided, I'm, I, want to, I don't want to know the score. I'm going to get home at halftime or the fifth inning of its baseball, and I – you know, I'm going to watch the whole thing. So I've got to keep my radio off in the car and all that. I can't do that. I can't watch even if the first half is over, let's say it's an important football game. I can't watch it knowing I'm a half behind everybody else. You're not going to catch up. Even with the commercials, you're you're not going to catch up. You're just, there's not enough time and you're always going to be behind. I, I, I can't do that. I can't either. Can you? I'm com- no, I'm, I'm completely with you on yeah. that. I can't do that. All right, let me read this tweet. This is from, let me get this here for a second here. Sarah Spain, a lot of respect for her. I've gotten, uh, I don't know if I ever met her, but uh, we've gone back and forth on Twitter. We follow each other. Just She's terrific for ESPN. And she said, uh, where is it here? 
not taking anything away from Miami, Boston, Denver, et cetera. I'm just interested in people's opinions on this. Before the final decision to finish the NBA season in the bubble was made, we asked if they played what kind of playoff surprises might cause us to add an asterisk to the year. Um, and then she, she, keeps, she continues saying to a man, most said <clears throat> if the Lakers, Clippers, or Milwaukee and or Milwaukee got bounced before the conference finals or the finals, uh, that would be a case where maybe an asterisk would, asterisk would apply. And she said a Bucks loss leads to, you know, equals one of the most unlikely playoff offsets in recent history. Nuggets, uh, the first time in NBA history, a team came back down three to one. And so was there an asterisk for you? I got to rewind to see our buddy Will Manso who responded and saying any sentence that starts with not taking anything away is always immediately followed by taking something away. Correct. It's like, it's like saying no disrespect is always followed by guess what? Disrespect. You know, um, she's not the that, that's the first I'm hearing of that Sarah Spain tweet. It's she's not the first person I've heard voice that sort of uh, sentiment. But I mean, he, he, here's my thing on it. OK, so you're so basically the implication is that being in neutral sites is giving an advantage to inferior teams. But right. my, com- my comeback home, field, home court advantage. Right. Right. But my comeback to that is. If these teams are so great, like, like if 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 the Clippers and the Bucks are really such excellent teams, why can't they win four out of seven in a neutral site? So right. doesn't that kill the logic? Like I, I get what they're saying because you're taking away a great home court advantage. But my counter to that would be is honestly, if you look at it from a certain point of view, there should be more of an asterisk on regular postseasons when you get the advantage of your crazy home fans for four out of seven. So if, if you're going to take something away from teams like the Nuggets and the Heat for winning, you know, four out of seven games in the Heat, in the Heat's case, four out of five games against Milwaukee, when there's no fans in the arenas, shouldn't you give them some dap and say, well, listen, if Milwaukee's really the better team, why can't they win with no fans? Like, like, shouldn't, shouldn't that just be, uh, you know, if they're really the better team, it shouldn't matter if there's fans there or not. Same thing with the Clippers. Like I, I, I get annoyed by that logic because when you really break it down, the better teams should be winning these series, no matter what the better teams shouldn't need their fans to be in the arenas to help them win. And I would counter Sarah. If, if she was on with us, I would say, look in the past. And by the way, you can see my dog Wrigley here. Uh, hey, Wrigley. There, there's Wrigley. Um, what happens when say, and this has happened in, you know, in, in, in other seasons, we've had an eight beat a one. Have we not? It's yes, happened. We have, you know, uh, you've had in, in now this is a different animal. I grant you, but in, in, in March madness, you've had a two beat a 15. You've never had a 16. Beat, we have a 16 no, it beat happened a, a couple of years ago. Which, That's right. Uh, That's right. Didn't Virginia, Virginia lost this. I can't yeah. remember who now, but yeah, it did happen a couple of so years ago. Does that take away from that when, you know, a, a, a huge upset happened. Upsets happen. And you're right. The, I guess the underdog teams here have a slight, Jesus, have a slight advantage because they, they don't have to go to the, 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 the opponent's home court. But if the opponent is that much better, you, you know, you've got seven games to win four of them. Now, the Bucks were certainly hurt because Giannis Antetokounmpo you know, sprained his ankle. And, but injuries happen. They happen. He just happened to play a great series and they're right now they're playing, they're on fire right now. So I don't, and then we, you, you and I talked in the past when the, the season continued just a few weeks ago, you know, will there be any after we have to go to break in a second, but 
will there be any asterisks? And we agreed, no, because everybody's in the same boat. Yeah. Everybody in whatever sport you're in is in the same boat. Yeah, no, very well said. And, uh, and Sarah Spain is now on my, my naughty list. I, I don't like that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm really angry at her for uh, expressing that sort of nonsense. When we get back, I want to tell you why you can't criticize her on the air because there could be real repercussions. <laughs> we have that and more coming your way next here on the Dono and Frito Show. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Dono and Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Setting up the defense for Derek Jeter's dating diamond in left field, Mariah Carey. The center fielder, Jessica Alba. And right field, Jessica Beal. In the infield at shortstop, it's Carter Johansson. At third base, Vanessa Manillo. I think I said that wrong. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell him? You tell him, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, con que rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, 
It's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. Slam Radio is more than just a radio station, but a family. It's so nice to know that you have a place where you can feel safe, where you can feel comfortable sharing your opinions and not be judged for what you feel like is right or is wrong. I'm very grateful that I've gotten this opportunity to be a part of something big, something historical. It taught me that not only that I matter, but that I have a voice. And the mentors we have here, like Frank the Tank and Amigo, make you love this amazing program even more. There are very few words that can describe Slam Radio. One word that definitely comes to mind is familia, family. We've been offered so many unique opportunities to be a part of something great. I will always be grateful to Slam Radio and everybody a part of Slam Radio. We are a family. They are my family and they will always continue to be my family and I will forever be thankful and I know they got my back just like I got theirs. I love being part of Slam Radio. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with the Donovan Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Dono and Frito with you here on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. I know I can also speak for Frito when I say this, but I'm very, very careful before I click send on a tweet. I mean, even before you get to the clicking send part of it, I'm very careful when I formulate a tweet. Now, to toot my own horn here for a second, and again, I'll speak for Frito on this, uh, you know, neither of us are sexist or racist or homophobic or bigoted or any of those things that can get you in trouble on social media. So it's not that I even get these thoughts entering my head, but part of being good on social media and, and, you know, creating conversation, sometimes you want to tell jokes, right? Sometimes maybe you want to tiptoe on the line a little bit in the interest of conversation and retweets. And, so maybe there have been cases over the years with public figures, radio hosts, celebrities, whoever, getting in a lot of trouble for tweets. Sometimes these tweets that they put out are a representation of how that person feels about the world. Other times, maybe that person was reaching for a joke that just didn't work and they weren't realizing they were crossing a line. I, I'm not really sure. Uh, maybe this is more the former with what Dan McNeil from the score in Chicago tweeted out, but uh, Frito full disclosure. I, I, I don't think I've ever heard this man's show before. I don't follow him on Twitter. I know very little about his shtick or what he stands for. It's why I'm privileged to be sitting with you, who is a, <laughs> you know, a, 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 a Chicago man yourself, at least a former Chicago man. And you keep up with Chicago sports radio. So when you were reading, or at least hearing about after the fact, this Dan McNeil tweet, mm -hmm. as he was, you know, watching uh, Monday Night Football and Maria Taylor was the sideline reporter. Dan McNeil got in a lot of trouble for uh, for tweeting about her wardrobe. Uh, was that was that a surprising thing from Dan McNeil, Frito, or, or were you kind of shocked to see that come from his account? No, he's always pushed the envelope. He's always been very controversial. Uh, you know, he's gotten fired before several times. Um, this is his third time with the score. I first knew him. I knew of him. I don't know if I've ever met him, but, you know, listening to the score, which is 
you know, them and ESPN 1000 are the big two sports radio stations in Chicago, the only or all sports radio stations. And he's worked at both. Um, and I started listening to the score back when it started in 1992. So I've known of him for nearly three decades. And he's always pushed the envelope and very, been very controversial. I'm not surprised it happened. Um, and maybe he thought, I, I'm not even sure he thought it was anything that provocative. I'm not talking about for out for anything. I'm just talking about the tweet. I don't think he probably um, thought it was anything more, maybe a little bit controversial, but I'm sure he never, if, look, if, if he had the inkling of a thought, that this would lead to his firing, uh, you know, he never would have sent it. And, and here's what he did. Now, she was wearing an outfit that was, you know, shoulder shoulders. That's it. It, it was below her shoulders, yeah, you know, the top of her outfit. That's it. And uh, so he tweeted out, NFL sideline reporter or a host for the AVN annual awards presentation? Question mark. Uh, can't do that. Uh, AVN is the, the, the porn industry's awards show. Sadly, and, I'm very aware of what that is. <laughs> uh, and should I ask why or just let that slide? I, I mean, I'm a huge fan of award shows. Oh, yeah, that's it. Okay. <laughs> it's like when you used to drive by before COVID, you drive by these strip joints and it says, you know, all you can eat buffet. And I'm trying to think, how do you convince your wife you actually went in there for the grub? You weren't looking at the women. The food food is delicious. In fact, there's a local establishment that has some of the best chicken wings in town. I've explained that to my wife on several occasions. (laughs) So he tweeted that out. He deleted it 30 minutes later. He must have heard from somebody. Maybe it was self-awareness. Maybe he he thought I I, I crossed the line or somebody got to him and said, you know, Dan, you got to you got to delete this. Now I don't know how many followers he had. I'm sure he's got several thousand followers. So once you hit tweet, doesn't matter if you delete it. Somebody's got a screen grab or retweeted it or uh, responded to it, and and that's it. Now it's locked in forever, and it was. And Entercom, our former company, uh, owns the score in Chicago and acted. And and they instead of the number one person in each market is is called a, a like a regional vice president. They used to be called general managers, and you know it didn't help his cause that the regional vice president is a woman. Even if it was a man, I think he still would have been fired. Yeah. And and they acted very decisively and they fired him. And his co-host, uh, who used to intern for Dan years and years ago, is a young kid. He's only he's probably your age. I call them. I call you guys young. kids. Well, I, I appreciate that. I'm a young kid. I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm turning 36 in two days, but I'll take it. Yeah, he's probably 31, maybe. And they, and okay. they fucked him from Kansas City. And uh, and and he started as a host maybe three, four years ago. He's very, very good. Really good. And he, he tweeted out, you know, you can love someone like I love Dan and not condone what they did. And he clearly said that what Dan did was wrong. And it crossed the line and it cost Dan his job. And, you know, and, and I, and I got to tell you on that note, that that's a really well way to play that by the co-host because. His name is Dan and, and, and like, I, I think that's handled really well because yeah. uh, I, I can imagine like if I were in his shoes, that would put someone in a really tough spot. Uh, if you say nothing, you look bad by association. But if that is legitimately his friend, you also don't necessarily want to completely throw him under the bus. Like, oh, yeah, I hated this guy all along. He's a gas bag. He's terrible. So I think that's a really good way to handle it in that, you know, th- th- this is my friend. It doesn't mean I condone everything he says and does because, I mean, Frito, I'm sure that all of us have friends, relatives, or people we associate with who may have very different worldviews may have opinions on things that we wholeheartedly disagree with. 
uh, you know, maybe have some thoughts we don't necessarily co-sign on. It doesn't necessarily mean I need to cancel that person from my life completely, but it also does not mean I need to condone when they say things like that. So I, I thought that was very well handled. Yeah, he, he handled it well. I'm trying to look for the t- Danny's, uh, you know, tweet about that. Um, but I'll find it. I'll, I'll find it. But you know, he, 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 his career is probably over. He's had so many chances, and I just, you know, he's had his nine lives, so to speak. He's a talented broadcaster. I mean, he's very controversial. You know, my brothers, two of my brothers live in Chicago, and one is in his car a lot, you know, for work and all that. So he's listening to sports radio a lot. And he's, he's hated McNeil for years. Now, whether he doesn't listen to him, I don't know uh, anymore. But, you know, he's a controversial guy, and you just have to be really, really careful. Yeah. Um, you know, what, what, what you tweet about it, and it cost him his job. Now, this is nothing against Maria Taylor. This is me talking now, and this, this is not the tweet. And I've waffled back and forth on this. I don't know. To me, there's some value occasionally to sideline reporters. Um, look, if you're, if you're in this case, I, by the way, I like the Monday night crew. I like Steve Levy. I like Lewis Riddick. We, I was the, Chris Whittingham and I used to have, you know, Lewis Riddick on the show quite a bit, mm-hmm. a former player and a former executive with Washington. By the way, Washington may end up keeping, I'm, I'm going on a tangent here for two seconds, football team as their nickname. It might, I like that. They might just be known, Dan Snyder sort of hinted, that it might just be known from now on as a Washington football team. And, just and honestly, I, I don't mind that. Like, well, well, why do we need stupid mascots for every team? Yeah. Like, well, why, why do we need to adopt some animal or a slogan to describe, describe every team? Like, why not just be the Washington football team? I don't mind that at all. I will say this. Chris Whittingham and I were co-hosting starting in 2014 for about a year and a half, maybe, maybe two years. And, you know, he always was offended by that name. And back then, uh, he's not known, uh, you know, he, we, he's known locally here but a very bright guy, real good co-host, real good host, I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And he would call them on our show, the Washington professional football team. He just didn't want to say the word Redskins. And so, you know, back then, six years ago, wow. that's how he, uh, he he referred to them. Um, wait, where was, oh, so look, if, if you're, you know, Steve Levy, Lewis Riddick, Brian Greasy, um, you know, your eyes are on the field. You may have producers down on the field looking at the sidelines, but the sideline reporters going back and forth, uh, you know, from one sideline to another, I think the value where I think maybe their value is maximized, if they notice something that maybe the announcer, that Steve Levy or Brian Reese or Riddick didn't, didn't notice. And anyway, they're, they're looking at the field or give a very quick injury update or right. this is happening or, you know, I saw this happen or two guys were, were drawing back and forth. Those immediate reports, I think, have value. Other than that, I don't know. I don't see much of a value in sideline reporters, be it, you know, in basketball, uh, you know, in the NBA or, you know, most most likely on the field, you know, short of injury updates or some something unusual on a sideline. You could probably do without them. Yeah, I I, I tend to feel the same way. Um, I I think that certain I I think that uh, it's a very difficult job to do well. So I think that there have been certain sideline reporters like, um, uh, I mean, Doris Burke, who's sometimes up in the booth, but when she's on the sideline, I think does a nice job just because when she interviews coaches, she asks really good questions. Yes. Um, well, and, and she, I she's kind fantastic. Of, 
and and you know I'm I'm uh, I, I've I've worked a lot of different jobs in this business. Uh, this has never been a, a full time gig for me, but I have sideline reported twice um, in the last several years on Miami Hurricanes football games, and it can be a really difficult job because the primary thing the primary thing that I was looking for um, it was uh, and you get certainly more of this in football than in most of the other sports, and and this is something you touched on quick injury updates. Okay. So I found myself kind of going from sideline to sideline. And if, you know, a player went into like the little training tent, that they set up to work on somebody, which happens probably more frequently right. than fans even realize. Cause a lot of times you don't even notice when someone's right. getting treatment, unless you're on the sideline and, you know, you, you would try to maybe bother the, uh, the team athletic trainer to try to give her a, uh, an update. I don't, I, I don't know how every athletic trainer does it, but the guy for the Miami hurricanes will give you like, he he's a man, a few words. He doesn't give you a whole lot verbally, but he'll give you a thumbs up. If the player is going to come back a thumbs down, if he's out for the game or kind of a sideways thumb, if it's still a little bit iffy and I would try and use that, but it, it was really difficult uh, to get that information sometimes. And it's not to say that, uh, that they weren't good with me, the, uh, the training staff, but you know, talking to me is not their primary job. Their primary job is treating these players. And sure. I was like an afterthought for them. But what I found to be really difficult as a sideline reporter, and this is probably a little bit easier in basketball than it would be in football was if they're going to you for actual analysis on plays, the sideline view kind of sucks, right? right? I mean, chances are they're seeing a lot more as far as routes being run, a player who was open at the far sideline, they're seeing that from the booth when they're mm -hmm. high above the 50-yard line. And from my vantage point at field level, trying to look over the players on the bench, there's a whole lot I'm not seeing about who might have been open on that play. So it's it's really very difficult to provide much from down there aside from immediate injury updates. And if you get you know the interview with the coach at, at halftime or commercial break or whatever, out, outside of that, I, I don't really think there's a whole lot that's being done on the sideline that can't just be done by the rest of the broadcast crew. I agree. Um, that said, I like Maria Taylor. I like the work she does. And she does, you know, I, I, I got to refine this out. It might take a second here. Um, but Maria Taylor uh, was wrote, wrote back. Um, she, she tweeted back to him. Oh yeah, and, uh, I saw. I don't have okay, that in front so of me, but I did see I that. I do. I haven't have have it now. She said, "Well, Danny dearest, if you would like to continue making sexist comments about me, please bring your misogyny with you to the NBA countdown doubleheader I'll be hosting tomorrow night." Hey, ladies, remember you can wear whatever you feel confident in. That's uh, a great well, game set match. He, he, you know, he lost his job, yeah. and uh, you know, I don't like to see any, anyone lose their job. But look, if you do something stupid like that. Yeah. You know, there are consequences, in this case, severe consequences, and he's probably going to have to look for another career. And that's just uh, that's and, the way it is. And, and, and honestly, and, and it was it was stupid uh, because I, I think anyone who's been on the air for as long as he has and has been on social media for as long as he has, because I'm sure he didn't just join Twitter this week. Like, and, and, no, and no, you've no. seen you, you've seen how tweets, even if you delete the tweet, it doesn't matter because someone screenshotted it already. Like if, if the, the moment you tweet something stupid or offensive, deleting a tweet really doesn't help you a whole lot because somebody chances are somebody had screenshotted it by that point. So you're not going to save yourself that way. Um, I, I don't know how he didn't know better. I don't know how he didn't know that'd be a bad idea. But we continue till one o'clock today. It's the Dono and Frito show here on Sirius XM channel 145 Slam Radio. 
Look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Donald and Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. And then I'd have one more question for him. Did you take steroids? Hold on. Did you take steroids? Why, how can I but do all would, of that and then not ask him? But why would you do that? He's not going to answer that question. Why would you answer such a question? Why not? I'm asking him. I bet you he answers the other two very nicely of without course. a problem. Yeah, so why can't he answer the last up. one? He's going to hang up on us. Why can't he answer the last one? He's going to hang up on us. Just tell me no, he didn't. I'm giving him an opportunity for me to no longer judge this based on what I heard from one person in the New York Times. Because I don't want to believe it. He didn't take steroids. Hey, platanos. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> You know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you gotta take those losses, you gotta take those hits. There's gotta be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, you know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio.
And now we're back with the Donovan Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Back here on the Dono and Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Frito, something we discussed a lot before the NFL season began, and it got underway this past Sunday, or really this past Thursday. Awesome to have mm-hmm. pro football back. Awesome. But... Oh, my God. What? No, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm oh, agreeing okay. with you whole, I thought you were saying, I, the, the, no. the, way you, the way you said, oh, my God, it sounded like you're like, wait, that no. was week one? I forgot. No, wait, no, 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 no. I, I am, I, you can't believe how excited I am to have the NFL back. Unbelievably off the charts <laughs> excited. So, so, uh, one, so, so one week in, uh, we, we get our first uh, piece of, of evidence on a big storyline we discussed, and that is after Tom Brady's divorce from New England, who would get the last laugh? Would it be Brady joining a, a pretty star-studded offense in Tampa, or would it be Belichick and what Bill can put together with Cam Newton and company in New England after Brady? One week does not a season make. But the first piece of evidence is in Frito, and we had Brady and the Buccaneers struggling against the New Orleans Saints. We had Cam Newton looking reinvigorated in New England. He had a ran really 15 good fifteen times. He ran fifteen times. It was crazy. The Dolphins had no answer for him, and uh, so Belichick, Newton, and the Patriots looked mm-hmm. very good in dispatching of the Dolphins. Brady did not look very good in losing to New Orleans. So. I mean, is, is this uh, and and I tend to be one of those guys who knee jerks on Brady. You know, he's he's in his forties. You know, anytime he has a bad game, I talk about how he's over the hill. We did see some actual evidence of that last season, though. So I don't think this is just uh, this is not just me saying stuff here. I think I'm actually might be onto something. But I I, I don't know. Are, are you a bit concerned about Brady's prospects in Tampa after one game, or is that way too much of a leap to make this early? It's it's it's, it's you know you always have in the NFL overreaction Monday and. You always have after week one a big overreaction, and it's it's even it's magnified this year because there was really no preseason. There were no preseason games. He couldn't work out with his teams in OTAs or anything like that, or a mini camp or two. Uh, you know, if if you uh, it's, there there wasn't the normal off season to develop chemistry or know. Okay, I know this is this is where Chris Godwin you know wants his ball exactly. This is how Mike Evans makes his cuts. You know, this is how O.J. Howard, you know, does this. He, 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 doesn't, he didn't have that. He didn't get that. So everybody's going to have a bit of a, a steeper learning curve as far as, you know, meshing with their new teammates, and Tom Brady's no exception. Yeah, to use a baseball analogy, he's probably lost a couple miles off his fastball, but he's still got his brain. His brain still works fine. Now, he had he, – he, they lost 34-23 uh, to New Orleans, and I'm sure in New England, by and large – if he put 23 points on the board, he probably expected to win that game. You know, it's got, it takes more than Brady. It takes a defense as well. And that defense, excuse me, laid a turd. And they won 34 uh, points. He threw for 239 yards, two touchdowns, along with two picks. And one of them was a pick six. Yes. Now, afterwards, um, Bruce Arians, his coach, uh, said uh, he said he looked like Tom Brady in practice all the time, so it's kind of unusual to see that in a ball game. <clears throat> because they didn't do things that we didn't get ready for. Everything they, meaning the Saints, did, we thought we were ready for. One interception was a miscommunication between he and Mike, meaning Mike Evans. 
Um, he thought Mike was going down the middle. It was a different coverage. Mike read it right. He should have been across his face, but Tom overthrew it. The other one was a screen pass with an outlet called. He threw the outlet, and it was a bad pick. It was a pick six. It was a bad decision, obviously, he means by Tom Brady. Now, Arians later corrected himself, saying Evans was at fault for the first interception. Um, but then Brett Favre weighed in on this, and he cautioned Arians against laying Tom Brady out to dry. Here's what he told Sirius XM Radio. Wow. He, he said, I think the last person you want to call it after the first game of the year is Tom Brady. Now, maybe they had a mutual truce going into the game, going into the season, where they privately said, or he, Arians privately told him, hey, I'm going to be hard on you. I want the guys to know that we're going to treat you the same, even though technically I'm not. So are you okay with that? If they have a truce, great. If not, I think you're barking up the wrong tree. Um, you know, I, I, I don't think Tom Brady's above reproach. You know, if he, if he, he shouldn't be. And if he is a... If he has a bad game and he throws a pick six, what are you going to sugarcoat it and say, yeah, no, no, it wasn't. If, now, if it wasn't Tom's fault, you know, if it went, if it was tipped by a receiver and went into the defender's hands, that's different. But if it was clearly just a boneheaded play, yes, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's going in the, 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 the nanosecond. He's, a, you know, he's, he's, he's eligible, but he isn't above reproach. And if he deserves criticism, I don't think there's anything wrong with, um, Bruce Arians saying, look, he had a bad game. He, yeah. You know, he threw a pitch down the middle, and look what happened. And Brady's not an idiot, right? If um, no. Brady, I'm sure, has gone over the film a hundred times. He's gone over it with Arians. He's probably gone over it individually without Arians or with his position coaches. If, if it's obvious that those picks were on him, because Bruce Arians, also not an idiot, really good offensive mind, quarterback coach, quarterback whisperer, in addition to being the head coach, you know, Brady, uh, I'm sure, has to understand that, yeah, just because I'm a first ballot Hall of Famer and I'm, you know, one of the winningest NFL players of all time doesn't mean I need to obviously be treated differently. I would hope Brady understands that. I would hope Brady doesn't expect his head coach to sugarcoat things to the media. If Brady screwed up, if he was in the wrong on those plays, you should expect your coach to say it. With what Brett Favre said, I wonder if Brett Favre is projecting his own sensibilities on Brady, right? Because Favre, as much as I, I loved watching him play, right? Brett Favre never struck me as the type of guy who took criticism very well. And so I wonder if he's kind of projecting the way that he would look at it on Brady. I mean, let's not forget, Brett Favre had a lot of not very nice things to say about uh, whether he was going to be Aaron Rodgers' mentor when Rodgers came into the league. He seems a little bit egotistical to me, Favre. I mean, he also seems like a, a down-to-earth guy, but from the quarterback standpoint, a little egotistical. So I, I wonder if Favre is projecting his sensibilities on Brady. Uh, it's not to say it's out of the realm of possibility that Brady would be such a prima donna that he wouldn't want to be criticized. But logically, I am a 1,000% with you, Frito. Tom Brady should not be above reproach. If your head coach is commenting on what went wrong on those INTs and when you're reviewing film, if your head coach, who's also a good offensive mind, sees your mistakes led to those interceptions, I would not expect him not to say it. Arians should be honest. I agree. I think you should be honest. Now, now maybe this dealt more with practice than with other things. But there's a true, and I'll, I'll tell you why. I'm connecting these dots here. I'm not, uh, you know, going off on this huge tangent. 
HBO a few years ago had an outstanding two-part, four-hour documentary on, on uh, Vince Lombardi. It was just perfect. It was great. And, you know, he arrives in the Green Bay, and he's got all these good players that are underperforming. And, you know, one of the first practices, he just – now, of course, this documentary was made, I don't know, maybe 10 years ago. Uh, Lombardi died in 1970. But a lot of the players were still alive, including, at the time, Bart Starr. And in one of the first practices or a few practices, he rips Starr a new one, just rips him in front of the team. This is the starting quarterback. And Starr goes up to him and says, Coach, can we talk after practice? He said, sure. And they meet in, they meet in, in, in Lombardi's office. And he said, look, if you want to criticize me, I'd rather you do it in private. You want me to lead this team and then you rip me a new one in front of everybody. That's, that tears me down in front of everybody. Huh. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing, takes me down a notch or two in their eyes. I'd rather you, criticize me all you want, but please do it in private. And he said, Lombardi never again in the, in the next decade or whatever, criticized Star in front of the team ever. Wow. So, but that's probably in practice. I don't know. You know, yeah. Star had a bad game and there probably weren't many. Um, I would imagine that Lombardi probably said a report. Now, reporters aren't the, the, the herd of reporters that are there now for, you know, all sorts of, of communication mediums. Uh, but, you know, if he, if he had a clunker, I think you got to say so, even if it's a star quarterback, even if it's right. a future Hall of Famer, everybody's got a bad my, – my daughter came – I'm bringing her in. She, she's a dancer. Three times a week she dances. She was so upset at herself she had a bad – time dancing the other day i said everybody's got a bad day at the office it's okay your next i've time never had a good day dancing personally <laughs> so she's way ahead of me well i you know I, I do show her how to dance i show bam out of bio how to get that vertical leap um but i said everybody's got a bad day at the office even tom brady does and it, again like i said at the beginning of this segment everybody's got a steeper learning curve okay he hasn't had a chance to work with these guys i'm not saying even if he had a whole off season, he might he still might have thrown the pick six. But give everybody a break for the first week or two because the, just this off season is, is an anomaly. It's so different from anything we've ever seen, and and teams lack practice time. Right. Just going back real quick to what you're saying about coach criticism from the Bart Starr story and all that. To me, the most important thing should be consistency. Right. That it becomes a problem if you are singling out certain players and ignoring other players. Right. So, uh, cause, cause you talk about the Bart star situation, you know, him being the leader, not wanting to get torn down in front of his teammates and all that. That's fine. Uh, if you're consistent on that, but I don't like the idea of if you pamper and cater to your starting quarterback so much that you don't criticize him, you don't criticize him when he messes up, but you lay in on other players when they mess up, then those other players are going to start to resent the coach for protecting the quarterback and not protecting them. So I think if you're consistent across the board, you're going to say something when Tom Brady screws up. You're also going to say something when Mike Evans or Rob Gronkowski or whoever screws up. If you're consistent on that, fine. But I don't think pampering the starting quarterback just for the sake of it is necessary in my eyes. Well, I'm, I'm trying to look up here. I don't see him right now. But I think it was Jimmy Johnson, you know, we know down here from the Hurricanes and the Dolphins and, of course, you know, quarterback the Cowboys or coach the Cowboys. But I think he was very public in the fact that he had different rules. 
for different players. Mm. And I think he, yeah, you know, you're right about that. Yeah. Yeah. If a less important player shows up late for a meeting, they're cut, yeah. right? If the starting quarterback shows up late for the meeting, welcome, come find his seat. I'm glad you could join us. Yeah. Do you think he's going to have the same set of rules for Troy Aikman as he does for the 53rd guy on the roster? No. And he said it publicly. I have different rules for different guys. So I, I can see both points of view. I mean, um, uh, I don't usually waffle on things, but I can. I I don't know if there's one set of rules that works for everybody. Whatever works, but you know, with the coach, um, some coaches are just hard asses, and no matter what, they don't. They take no prisoners. Other coaches say you have to know your players well. You have to know who you who needs a hug and who needs a kick in the ass. And and there's I, I don't imagine Tom Coughlin who penalized his players. He literally fined them if they, were, if they weren't at least five minutes early to every meeting. Think about that. You have a noon meeting. If you're there after 11.55 before noon, you got fined. That's how he was. I think he took no prisoners, and he didn't care who he was criticizing. This is what he did. This is the way he did it. And he's got two Super Bowl trophies with his name on it. And, and I respect that way of thinking. But – to, to further your point of a different set of rules, <clears throat> someplace you very commonly see that. And, and now this is not the same as criticizing guys for making mistakes on the field. But one place where you see a clear different set of rules are, you know, if, if a report comes out overnight of a certain NFL player committed a DUI in the middle of the night, then you wake up to reports of, oh, so-and-so was arrested for DUI charges. If that guy is somewhere between 45 and 53 on the roster, it's usually a matter of minutes or hours before he's released, <laughs> right? But if that guy's a starter or an important player, then, oh, he's suspended for a practice or he's suspended for like a quarter of an upcoming game. And, you know, so, so certainly punishments for stuff like that for, you know, off the field rules of the morality code, that is always enforced differently. You remember Johnny Manziel when he was in college? Maybe this is for giving autograph. Well, I don't know what it was for, but he, he some punishment, whatever he did, he did be meted out. They Their first game was against some cupcake. I don't remember who. They suspended him for the first half of the first game. I remember that. that. Was yeah, it, 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 was right? for, it was for signing unauthorized autographs was what it was. Yeah, so that, that, that was his punishment. Like, that's a big deal. I mean, you're playing a cupcake. You're probably up 20 nothing anyway. And you just give the guy, you know, a few minutes breather. Hey, Johnny, look like you're suffering, okay? <laughs> oh, man. So we have a, a big 12 o'clock hour coming up. I want to talk a little bit more about the the NBA Conference Finals. But before we get to that, uh, I want to get Frito's take on, uh, on my latest progress on The Sopranos. Because Frito always amazes me. Because I, I, I'm re-watching The Sopranos for the third time. But it had been over a decade since the last time I watched it all the way through. So there were a lot of things I did remember, certain things I don't remember. And Frito has seen every episode 50 times. So he he remembers every and detail. It's funny because I didn't watch The Sopranos until 2013. Wow. Long after going up the year. I never watched it until then. And I've watched it now probably five times. That's and, amazing. You know, this podcast, they have a couple hours every you know, uh, you know, every week I watched an episode night. of that, by the way, I did watch an episode. of the oh, you podcast. Did. So we'll did talk like about it? that. I did. We'll talk okay. about that as well. You're listening to Dono and Frito here on Sirius XM <laughs> slam radio. I found a radio. radio. This is Sirius XM one, four, five slam radio.
There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Dono and Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Setting up the defense for Derek Jeter's dating diamond in left field, Mariah Carey. The center fielder, Jessica Alba. And right field, Jessica Beal. In the infield at shortstop, Scarlett Johansson. At third base, Vanessa Manillo. I think I said that wrong. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell him? You tell him, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you gotta take those losses, you gotta take those hits. There's gotta be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs, in order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, que rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with the Donovan Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. We gotta have Frank. We got, I know we're on the air. We gotta have Frank play the Sopranos theme song. You know, got myself a gun. 
<laughs> so I'm uh, I, I'm progressing back through the show, and and Frito mentioned that he he didn't actually start watching it until like five six years after it was off the air. I did so my my first run Frito through Sopranos. I actually I started watching it while it was still on the air. I think in '06 it was like the second to last season was when I started watching it. So. I had kind of screwed up the order I was watching it because I started in progress because this was before streaming services and stuff. So I started in progress and I really started liking the show. So then I, I watched it through the end of season seven and kind of while I was watching it unfold, you know, in real time, I went back and I started buying the DVD seasons. Right. And I got to tell you, the best thing about having streaming services now, because now even, you know, with HBO, you get the HBO Max and the whole mm -hmm. library is on there, you know, and for other shows, you've got the Netflix, the Amazon Prime, the Hulu and all that. It, it, and you pay subscriptions for these services, of course, but it really does save you money because Frito, sure. I can remember financially the lengths that I went through in 06 or 07 when I started buying up this, the previous Soprano seasons on DVD so I could catch up with the show, it was like 80 bucks per season, like to wow. buy those. Like, yeah, like I would have to like wait for my next paycheck to be able to afford <laughs> to go and buy, you know, the season I didn't have yet. So I, 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 I think the seasons were more expensive based on how recent they were. Like I think season one was like 50 bucks at the time I bought it. Season two was like 50, 60 bucks. Season three was like 60, 70. And, and it got more and more expensive the more recent you got. So I just, as a side note, I saved so much money, you know, being able to, you know, get a, a streaming service for 10, 15 bucks a month, whatever it is, you know, and then subscribing to HBO than I would to have to buy these. But where, where I'm at right now, Frito, I'm uh, uh, five episodes through season three. And right. I, I can recall the first time I went through it, season three was one of my favorites because I love uh, Joey Pantoliano. I, I love uh, the guy who played Ralphie. Like, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that actor going back to when he was in the Goonies way back in the day. Like, I, I love Ralphie. And so uh, the, the, the last episode I watched, I think, uh, on, uh, on Tuesday, I think, was the last one I watched, was the episode called Another Toothpick. And this is when Burt Young who was Paulie in the Rocky movies, came into the show for, spoiler alert, just one episode as Bobby Bacala Sr., right? right? This is an old, retired gangster who lives in Florida, but he's Bobby Bacala's dad. He comes to visit. He comes out of retirement to make a hit on one of the great mob nicknames, a guy who goes by Mustang Sally. It's, it's a guy named Sally who drives a Mustang. So it's so brilliant. I mean, it's so brilliant that that dude is, he's called Mustang Sally. Oh, my landline is ringing in the background. I apologize. But I didn't know why he was called that. So you just pointed that out. Yeah, it's a guy named Sally who drives a Mustang. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, and you'll notice that if you rewatch that episode, when, uh, when, when he, you know, he brutally uh mames uh i i guess uh who, who was that Vito's brother or cousin or something the guy that he beats up at the beginning of the episode which yeah, is yeah 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 with a golf club yeah with a golf club and and what i noticed was that yeah he was driving a mustang and i remembered that because then five minutes later or 10 minutes later they referred to him as mustang sally so it kind of put oh it's a guy named sal who drives a mustang Right. He's Mustang Sally, but I mean, just a, a, a brilliant, uh, a brilliant episode by Burt Young, who I think is a fantastic, uh, fantastic uh, actor and a really good episode, Frito. Yeah, the only thing is, is his character had emphysema and he's coughing up a lung 
the whole episode. It was it was a bit annoying, but um, you know, I'm looking now at that uh, you know the storyline and the cast and who's in there, and um, you know, besides him going after Mustang Sally, uh, yeah, uh, Joe Pantoliano, the guy who they call him Joey Pants, yep, the actor. I love him. I first noticed him uh, in the '80s in Risky Business. I don't ever saw uh, Risky Business. Yeah, that's right. He, he he was he was the uh, the pimp in Risky Business. He was Vito the Killer Pimp, right? <laughs> so, and uh, and I first noticed him in uh, you know in that, and uh, you know he's he's been a great actor, and he's been in a million different things, and uh, you know anything that was good, he was he was great as Ralph Cifaretto, and he was in there for a number of episodes. Um, now in real life, he's bald, okay, mm-hmm. and he wore a toupee throughout the show. And later, if you've seen this before, so I'm not revealing anything. Oh yeah, uh, Tony Soprano kills him, and they need to they need to get rid of the body, and so they put him. They need to wait until it gets dark so they can move the body out of the house, and uh... oh, I don't know if it's just me, but I lost you. Yeah, okay, he, uh, so he froze, so you're gonna have to. Uh, I, until he... I, I think Fre- I think Frito just froze up, but until but what he he's referring to, life, to right? is after uh, when they're removing the body, the toupee comes off. So it was almost a nod to the real life actor being bald, wearing a hairpiece for the show. Oh, there you are, Fre- Frito. You froze for a minute. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Frito? You there? Yeah, there, there you are. Yeah. You, you froze for a minute, but you're back now. Um. So you, you so were they, you were just you were just talking about how how they had to wait until dark to move the body. Right, the it got dark, so they have his body in the bathtub, and they're and they're they need to get rid of his head. So um, Christopher, who came over to help move the body, grabs his hair, is about to move him, and pulls the toupee off, and he goes, "Whoa, oh my god!" And he just pulls him off, and uh, you know, scares the hell out of Christopher. He turns to Tony, he says, "You know about this?" He goes, "Of course I do about it." It just it just looked weird pulling this complete rug. Off of uh, you know, uh, Ralph Cifretto, but um, you what podcast? Now I've told you to watch the Talking Sopranos podcast, and it's yeah. hosted by Steve Sharippa, who we had on our show, played Bobby Bacala Jr. and Michael Imperioli. Um, now it's funny. I noticed in this episode, I'm going to sidetrack here for a second. Is Artie Bucco, the restaurateur, makes a move on Adriana? Adriana that's right. That was awkward. Was like, so awkward. Christopher's girlfriend, and he's played by John, I think his last name is Ventimiglia, the guy who mm-hmm. plays Artie Bucco. And when Michael Imperioli first started taking acting classes, he met, and he calls him Johnny V. He's known him since he, now, right now, Michael Imperioli is 54 years old. He said, I first met John when I was 19 years old. Wow. So these guys really go back uh, a number of years. What episode, now they do one episode a week. Um, what episode did you see where they were viewing? Yeah, now, uh, since I got so much farther in front on watching the show and I wasn't, like, going episode by episode of the pod, I, I went way out of order, Frito. But I, I, I went through the YouTube page for Talking Sopranos, and I kind of right. – I, I think this was right – I watched this, like, right after I had just started season three. So I kind of looked through their catalog and thought, oh, mm-hmm. what would be what would be a good episode to watch? So the one I ended up watching was – the companion podcast for I can't I can't remember the episode title maybe you can but for the episode where where Richie April you know ended up getting killed by Janice and I wanted oh, to watch that was that called episode. the night in, uh, the night in white satin, white satin armor, armor I think 
And, 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 so, um, and so that episode of the podcast, they had on, you know, the actor who plays Richie April, and it was mm-hmm. it was wild watching. I mean, first of all, what he looks like, you know, 20 years later, uh, you know, the same well, face. Was you late know. 70s, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it, and just like kind of hearing and he does sort of have like a similar accent to the one that he had as Richie April. So he wasn't faking the New York thing. So so that that was kind of like somewhat legitimate to the way he actually talks. But yeah, well, watching that back and and watching them, they, and and they spent a good chunk of time kind of discussing his career before mm-hmm. they got into what happened in the episode. But yeah, the whole thing was very entertaining. That's I'm still watching that because that's the most recent podcast. So you watch oh, the most recent okay. one. I, I didn't realize so, that was the newest yeah, one. That, and, that, that was the, the one I picked out to watch. The podcast drops Sunday into Monday. So at midnight <clears throat> Sunday, as it turns into Monday, they they drop the new one, and so. I'm almost done with that. And they went through the scene when, and, and, and Steve Terrific called it the biggest surprise in the whole show. When, yes. when, uh, you know, Janice kills, uh, rat or, uh, uh, Richie April. And it was, and no one saw that coming. No, no. one, saw, you know, cause you figured he was maybe, you figured he was going to get killed at some point. Yeah. But you, didn't but think you, you thought he was, was going to get killed by like Christopher, you know, one of Tony's guys. Like you thought right. it was going to be Tony carrying out the hit. Well, Tony ordered the hit on him. Remember that he yeah. pulled Silvio Dante into the, into the back office of the Bing and said, you know, it turns out my future brother-in-law wants new leadership. He's not happy with the old one. And Silvio contemplates it for a minute as a concierge and said, I just don't see any benefit to keeping him around. And Tony says, get it done. Yeah. And Silvio pokes him in the chest, like, okay, you're, you, you know, your orders and they were going to do it. And, um, you know, who would have done it? I don't know. Maybe, maybe Christopher, maybe Paulie, I don't know, but they were going to get it done. And just really, and I was wondering, and they pointed this out in the podcast. Why did Janice have access to a gun like that? Well, they had showed in an earlier episode. I know my wife is going to, she's on the other side of the room. She's going to look up when I say this. Mm-hmm. But they showed one, one, episode, one scene a few episodes earlier when Janice and Richie had sex, and he's holding a gun to her head during yep, sex. That's right. That's right. And, and, and I so think that's, and I think where, that's that why they, she had access to a gun. And I think that they referenced that, which is really good foreshadowing by the show. I think it was near the beginning of that very episode, or it might have been the episode before. It might have been one episode before, but Janice was wedding dress shopping with Carmela. Mm-hmm. And Janice told Carmela about that whole kink that she yeah. is into that. So 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 they referenced that again after you originally saw the gun. They made reference to it, and Janice even said. Well, he doesn't even always make me put a clip in it. So so you know that there is a clip. Like so so maybe sometimes when they do that, there's no clip in the gun. Other times there is. But yeah, I mean I'm glad you pointed that out because it goes to show you how amazing the foreshadowing was because it wasn't just a gun that appeared from nowhere. Like you knew exactly why that gun was there. I like if I'm seeing a movie, a TV show, I like noticing mistakes if I can catch them. And if you can go back and watch part of this episode, the scene where he gets shot, okay? And if you're watching this on Zoom, you'll see this. If you're listening, you won't see it. But he gets shot, like, right here, okay, as he's falling back. And the next shot is him laying on the ground. Now, he got shot twice. He was still alive after the first one. And also, the gunshot moves to, like, here. Oh, really? It, it, oh, it, it really, it really did. Oh, I'm sorry. You can't see that. He gets shot here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when he falls backwards, all of a sudden, it moved to here. So they just, <laughs> someone in the continuity department wasn't doing their job. They clearly wow. moved. But, um, yeah, that was a big shock that they, uh, they got rid of. Uh, I mean, Richard Trudeau, I think it was on for 10 episodes. 
they kept saying this, you know, during the during the podcast. That guy was so scary, and his eyes were just frightening. He didn't. He was afraid of no one, and the embodiment of evil. And he, I mean, he he didn't value human life at all. The first episode he's in, he runs over Beansy. Just runs over with a car three times and paralyzes him. He has no regard for anybody's life whatsoever. And and David Proval did a fantastic job. And I told you once before, his acting range is so good. He played the embodiment of evil in The Sopranos. And in one episode of The West Wing, he played a rabbi. That's so great. And, <laughs> and, and another thing and another thing that I love about that season, and, and this might have been the episode prior to that. I'm not sure if it was the same episode, but but when he when Richie brings his whole plot to Junior, right? That Richie yeah. is strongly implying to Junior that I want us to get rid of Tony so I can be in charge. And then Junior has that great scene with Bobby Bacala where he talks through the whole thing and he's like, yep, I'm better off with Tony. I'm better off with... So he's decided at that point he's going to make Tony aware of the plan so that Tony can act first, so he's better off with Tony. And then the reaction of Bobby Bacala is so incredible. He's just staring at Junior and the Junior says what and then and then bobby just says i'm in awe of you yeah <laughs> that is one of my and it's funny because it's again, you know, i mentioned i hadn't watched through the show in 10 years but i remembered that line and i was waiting for that line one of my favorite lines is when bobby is just staring at junior i'm in awe of you it's like yeah. i knew that line was coming it's so good such a great well, if, you, if, if, if before our next show you watch the next podcast again which isn't going to drop uh for a few days if you watch the uh, next podcast, it's where uh, Big Pussy gets killed. And yeah. they're having the actor, Vincent Pastore, uh, he's the guest on the next podcast and, uh, and, and can talk about that. And um, so it's, it's, I can't wait to see that one. That's the one where, you know, they suspected Big Pussy was a, 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 a rat for a long time. And it was finally confirmed. And, uh, you know, it's tough because Tony's known him since they were kids. And yeah, I know Tony had to off him. But did you like the podcast in general? Yeah, I do like it. I mean, it's cool. I mean, the, the, I, I thought there was maybe uh, the, the, fluff at the, the fluff at the beginning was was it got a little long when they before they actually got into the episode itself because they were right. they were talking a lot about like the movies this guy had been in and stuff. So at, at a certain point, I'm like, all right, guys, let's get to the point. But no, overall, I loved it. I mean, just just being able to watch you know, Steve Sharippa and Michael Imperioli just kind of shoot the bleep and then and talk about the show and reflect on those memories. And these guys had, I don't know if they kept journals or what during the filming, but they have great memories of this stuff that was filmed, you know, 20, 21 years ago by this point. And no, it's, as any fan of the show, I think you would enjoy watching them just kind of cut it up and break down these episodes. Well, I don't think either one had watched the show until the first time it aired. And one of the things I found out is when the last episode aired about 10 of them got together and they were, they were paid to do this, including James Gandolfini and Pirioli, you know, Steve Shrip, et cetera, then a few other actors and they watched it together and it was at the hard seminal hard rock in Hollywood down here. They hired them. They laid out the white carpet. They went to their own private room and they watched the show together and the Seminole Hard Rock paid them. Who knows how many gobs of money they paid them yes, to come is. to the Seminole Hard Rock. And, and, and again, this is the, you know, the, the, the last episode of Sopranos. And I'm sure that place was just packed for a chance to get a, a glimpse of these guys. Yeah, no doubt about that. No doubt. All right. So yeah, real quick, gonna... let me tell you a real quick story. They have, they're selling these merchandise for the podcast. And it says Michael Imperioli and Steve Sharippa. 
And before one of these episodes, this is maybe five or six episodes ago, Sharipa goes nuts because his name is second. And he gets ah. real. He, he, I don't know if he's acting or not, but he got really pissed off. It was like a five or six minute segment. And then they went into the regular podcast and he, I mean, went just bananas. He was so angry at that. And Imperial was like, I'm sure it's just because of alphabetical. And he went uh, crazy. And, and we're all wondering on Twitter, is this real or not? We don't know. Wow. That's I, I don't know, man. I, I've got to think. I mean, I, I feel like Sharipa and I are old friends because we had him on our show that one time. But I, he, he doesn't strike me as the type of guy who would really be that upset over that. But I don't know, man. That's interesting. Uh, well, the Frito and Dono show will continue until 1 o'clock oh. here, <laughs> yeah, here on Sirius XM's uh, Slam Radio Channel 145. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is... Is Sirius XM one four five Slam Radio? There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov/covid19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever, just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Dono and Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. Setting up the defense for Derek Jeter's dating diamond in left field, Mariah Carey. The center fielder, Jessica Alba. And right field, Jessica Beal. In the infield at shortstop, it's Carter Johansson. At third base, Vanessa Manillo. I think I said that wrong. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. 
So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know. You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger. Because all it's going to do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you got to take those losses. You got to take those hits. There's got to be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, que rico. You know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys. It's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with the Donovan Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Dino and Frito show here on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. It's still one o'clock today. Always a joy talking some Sopranos with Frito. Uh, maybe we'll circle back to it, but we have game two of the Eastern Conference Finals coming up tonight at seven between the Miami Heat and Boston Celtics. Uh, I am not shy about the fact that I am virtually a lifelong Miami Heat fan. I say virtually because the franchise didn't come into an ex- into existence until I was about five years old but for for the entire life that I can remember I have been a Miami Heat supporter um, I did not expect the Heat to win game one I really didn't expect them to win until overtime was already in progress you know in game one you could see some of those Celtics mismatch issues that we'd heard so much about and talked so much about. The Heat had the 13-point deficit early. They had a double-digit deficit in the fourth quarter, and they were down eight down the stretch. But you have to give credit to Eric Spolstra and his rotation. Um, The fact that the moment wasn't too big for a guy like Tyler Hero, the fact that you know a guy like Jimmy Butler, who didn't have a great game, uh, was very good late in the fourth quarter and in overtime and helped put the game away. And bam, out of bio. I'm sure you've seen this highlight now probably 10,000 times of that very clean block that he had against Jason Tatum to secure the win for Miami. The Heat took game one. And maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid Frito, but I, uh, I, I, I feel strangely confident in the Heat taking a 2-0 lead tonight. I know that most people in logic would tell you that the Celtics are going to swing back and tie up the series tonight, and it would be so costly for them for them if they go down 0-2. But I, I don't know. I mean, something about the Heat's perseverance and you know the fact that they've had so many players stepping up, I am strangely expecting a 2-0 series lead tonight. Well, okay, well, let's say... You know, the, the Celtics go up big like they did in the other game, and the Heat start chipping away at their lead. And I talked earlier in the show about the mentality of athletes and everything. And as confident as the Celtics are, and they're favored to go to the finals, right? They're favored over the Heat. <clears throat> as confident as they are, and if they have, like, let's say a 14-point lead, and the Heat knock it down to, say, seven, do you think it creeps into their head, the Celtics said, even just a little bit, uh-oh, here we go again. I don't know. Um, I, I, I think that, to me, that's probably more an issue if you're down 0-2 than 0-1. Uh, 
But okay. I think there could there Fair could enough. be something to that. I think there could now because you know I, I think if you're down o two, you're thinking, oh my god, it, this is creeping into my head because this is we're we're essentially losing the series if we don't win this game. It's something worth thinking about, though. I mean, I I will say, Frito, that to that note, it's worth noting that when you got to the money time, right when it was time for the Celtics to close the game out in the fourth quarter and try to close it out mm-hmm. in overtime. All of a sudden, shots that Jason Tatum was making through three and a half quarters weren't falling late, and shots that Jimmy Butler wasn't making for three and a half quarters started falling. So there might be something about the mentality between players on these two teams. So you might be onto something. Well, let me look at the other side of the prism, and maybe my first theory wasn't so valid, but I think this one is. If the Heat fall down 14, let's look at this from the Heat side of the prism. If they fall down 14, I'm just arbitrarily making up that number. I think Eric Spolstra, unless it's like two minutes left in the game, you know, can pull his guys aside and say, look, we've been here. We were here two days ago, and we came back and won the game. We've seen this movie before, okay? Down 14, down 13, whatever it was. We've been here, done that. We've seen this movie. We can do it again. I think that's 100% valid. It's got to be. Um, and and with the way that, that the Heat have shot all season long, even before they got into the bubble, I mean, I think that statistically they were the – second best three-point shooting team in the NBA and I think the best in the bubble or or again one of the top two in the bubble that you know you mentioned this earlier and it's spot on that a 13-point lead in today's NBA or for that matter a 13-point deficit in today's NBA doesn't mean what it used to right Mm -hmm. I mean you go back to the 1990s and if you're down double digits in the fourth quarter it's usually a wrap, right? But today you're down double digits in the fourth quarter. Uh, you're you're just basically two or three consecutive three-pointers away from being right back in the game or even leading the game in some cases. And, you know, between people like Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and Jay Crowder and even Jimmy Butler, who's not a three-point specialist, but he tends to make those shots in the clutch. Like Jimmy Oh, Butler my God. The other corner one the other night, yeah money on those three-point shots in the clutch it really only takes two possessions for the heat to get right back in those games and and, i mean butler what an acquisition that was you know that that trade right there jake crowder a fantastic acquisition i can't say enough of how he fits in uh to this heat team tyler hero he can't even leave the bubble to go get a beer okay he can't even go here's this 20 year old kid with all the confidence in the world, and guess what? If they dish it out to him and he's beyond the arc, he has no problem taking that final shot, none whatsoever, and all the confidence in the world that it's going to make it. That, I mean, that's again, says about his mentality and how they've trained him and what they've done with him. A 20-year-old kid is an integral part of this team. Now, for a guy like Tyler Hero, I do tend to believe that if this were a regular postseason where you're facing up against hostile crowds for three or four of these road games that you probably wouldn't be getting quite the potent three-point production that you're getting. Uh, so so maybe maybe in a way I'm, I'm defending that Sarah Spain tweet that I ripped apart earlier in the show, but still where I take issue with Sarah Spain and others saying that, oh, you know, the, the fact that the Bucks went out in the second round and the Clippers went out in the second round, a couple of the, the odds on favorites to win a championship, that this is evidence that there should be an asterisk by this postseason. I hate that argument simply because, to me, the, the mic drop moment from all of that comes in the fact that 
if these teams really are the best, like if, if teams like the Clippers and Bucks really are quote unquote better than teams like the Nuggets and Heat, why are you saying they need home court advantage to win right. a best of seven? Right. Cause, right. It, cause it, it's not like you've taken home court away from them and given it to the other team. You're playing in empty arena, neutral sites. So if those really are the better teams, like if you're trying to tell me that in a normal postseason, the Milwaukee Bucks are better than the Miami Heat. Okay, why did they get clowned in five games? If you're telling me that in a in a normal postseason, the Los Angeles Clippers are better than the Denver Nuggets, why did they blow a three to one lead? Right? They they had three chances to close that series out. So to me, taking the fans out of it doesn't add an asterisk. It just changes the environment because the better teams should be winning, whether there's fans in the arena or not. Well, they, let me go back to his Kentucky days. Do am I wrong on this Kentucky to Louisville? Do they play home and home every year? Yes. Okay, so I mean, he's been. In, I mean, it's a different animal, I grant you, than maybe going into the you know the uh, whatever TD Ameritrade, whatever Boston's home is. Uh, but I mean, he's faced hostile crowds before. Yeah. And and this has got to be unusual. I mean, you're playing in front of an empty arena that's still very strange to me but part of me if I would and I've never been a professional athlete obviously and and I think in 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 some teams definitely have this home court or home field advantage but I think part of that would be attractive you you know you go to an, the opposing arena whether it's in the Eastern Conference Finals or an important regular season game and you know it's us against them and I'll tell you occasionally Dino I reach into that well and tell you stories about me being a reporter and one of the things I talked about with guys in various sports, whether it's basketball or the NFL and everything, one of the most exciting things for an athlete is going to the opposing, you know, let's say the home field in, in, in the NFL or the opposing arena in basketball and silencing that crowd. Yes. You get it. Jerome Baker was telling me, you know, for a Dolphins linebacker played at Ohio State, and I think he got a pick six against Michigan. Cool. I think it was. I, I And it just – he said, when you get that and the opposing crowd, you know, you're visiting their stadium, just sits back in their seats and there's nothing they can say because you've just, you know, just crushed them mentally. He goes, that silence is deafening. It's just fantastic when you take them out of the game. And let's say, you know, Tyler Hero had a huge three-pointer, which really just maybe, maybe the Celtics again were up 13. His three-point, you know, now they're down two. And there's 30 seconds left or a minute left. And his three-pointer puts the heat ahead, you know, coming back from this, you know, huge deficit. And at least for a few seconds, that crowd just sits back like, oh, athletes absolutely live for those moments. Yeah, it, it reminds me of a lot of the conversations I've had with former Miami Hurricanes players, guys who played during what I call the swagger era, right, from Jimmy Johnson into, you know, the early Dennis Erickson days, people like Randall Thrill Hill, Gino Toretta, Darren Smith, some of these guys that I, I've talked to a lot over the years. And I tend to ask them that question, like what you were just talking about that, you know, is and these are going back to the Orange Bowl days when there were 80,000 plus in, in the home stadium. Was it better to, you know, have to win a huge game at home and have 80,000 plus going crazy or was it better to go on the road and just break the hearts of the fans and the guys that played at the U during that swagger era 100% consistent on saying they would much rather go to South Bend 
<laughs> to Doak Campbell Stadium, right? You know, to to some of the guys who were even from uh, from kind of an earlier era when Miami used to play Florida every year uh, to go into the swamp and right. and just dishearten and silence those fans. That was always the go to, like like for because you know my, Miami liked to kind of embrace that sort of antagonist Tony Montana bad guy mentality. So it was all, and as much as they loved, of course, winning for the home crowd, uh, you, you can't discount that. But it was a better feeling for those guys to a man to go into a sellout crowd on the road to you know ninety thousand at Doak Campbell Stadium. I, I don't know how many people fit in uh, in Notre Dame Stadium in South right. Bend, but I'm sure that's a sizable a sizable crowd as well. And to go and silence and break the hearts of those fans, that was always the ultimate for them. Well, think I just brought up Ohio State, Michigan. Can you imagine you're a Michigan player? You go into the horseshoe and and say, you know, you you, you throw. I I, I love that's Brian Greasy on Monday Night Football. Did you ever throw, you know, a bomb and just, you know, in in when you visit Ohio State, did you ever throw a long, you know, fifty yard touchdown pass that just took the crowd out of the game? Or if you're a defensive player, got a pick six or recovered a fumble and ran it in all the way. I, you know, you're in, you're in this huge hostile crowd. And yeah, it might make things tough, especially in offense when the crowd's so noisy after Ryan hand signals and you can't hear the quarterback, you know, say a word. But yeah, there'd be something so exciting about going into the opposing team, playing the opposing team on the road in a huge stadium and just taking them out. I mean, think about, I brought this up a, an episode or two ago, Appalachian State. It was the 13th anniversary recently of their upset in Michigan. And when the, the, the upset was sealed, when Michigan was going, I think, for the game-winning field goal, and Appalachian State blocked it and uh, ran it back. And, I, and, and, uh, and, and that was, I mean, that had to be, if you're a Michigan fan, or do you remember when, um, was this, it was in Alabama, was it not when Auburn, uh, when Alabama missed a field goal yeah. And Auburn ran it back all the way. That was wasn't that in Alabama? Wasn't I that in Tuscaloosa? Think so and they called that the not the pick with the P, but the kick six, the K I C K six. Okay, yeah, right. That's yeah. That was just uh, yeah. That was just. Uh, I mean, that would be so. Uh, much by fun the way, uh, Fra Frank just put in our chat, uh, Frank the Tank, that today is the anniversary of the 1988 UM upset over Michigan. So as we're talking about, you know, upsets and big games, we happen to be on the anniversary of a nice one from about, uh, what would that be, 32 years ago at the big house. So I love that. Okay. There we go. There we go. Yeah. So thank you, Frank. Good re our, our crack research staff right there. Our crack research well, well staff. Well done, young man. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Oh man, it's a good stuff. You're now, to are you gonna are you gonna switch around tonight? I know you're gonna watch the Heat, and you're a diehard Heat fan. Are you gonna flip over? Do you have any players playing tonight in Monday night in Thursday night football for the Browns and Bengals? Uh, for, for the Browns and Bengals, no, I don't actually. I don't have any. And remember, I'm only in one league this year. So if this were years past, and I was in like three leagues, I was pretty much guaranteed to have somebody in almost every game. But no, I got nobody tonight. Um, yeah, I'm definitely gonna focus on the Heat game now. Right. I might consider, you know, placing a uh, a little wager on on the on the Thursday night game tonight. Uh, I'm not. I, I know the Browns are, are favored. I think by close to a touchdown, 
Did you think, uh, I mean, who do you think I should go for there? Should I go for the Browns to cover or, you know, for the Bengal? Because, you know, the Browns are, are mud. Like, I, I don't have a whole lot of, you know, they, they're better than the Bengals, but I, I don't, and it's in Cleveland, I believe, the game. But yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, well, what, what, what should I do here if I, if I consider placing a friendly wager on this? I don't, you know, you, you still got Joe Burrow making just his second start. Yeah. Um, I mean, Cleveland has talented players. They just seem to be... Um, Cursed? No, yeah, well, I don't know. Just underperforming. Look, this is only game two against, uh, you know, Kevin Stefanski is their new head coach, former offensive coordinator for the Vikings. you got to give these time, these guys time. Um, but they've got such a talented offense. This is weird for me because I've got Kareem Hunt uh, who with Nick Chubb as a big tandem. i got to bench him. I can't play him. i got uh, three other guys that, uh, you know, Saquon Barkley and Joe Mixon playing I'm playing him and Aaron Jones. It's weird keeping a guy like that on the bench, but I got to. But I, I'm going to go back and forth, and if I get a notification on my phone that the Cubs did something, I'll flip over to uh, the Cubs game because I guess baseball package. So it's going to be a full night here. Yeah, it really is going to be a fun night. We'll wrap up the Dono and Frito show when we come back here on Sirius XM Channel 145 Slam Radio. Hey, look what I found. A radio. Radio. This is Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects with household cleaning spray. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. Man, I love my kids so much. I once sat for three hours in the cold rain to watch her soccer team lose by 18 goals. I love my kids so much, I once used a tube to suck snot out of her stuffed nose at 3 a.m. You win. Love your kids? Love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat. From toddlers to tweens, visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to find the right seat for their age and size. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Text and work. Text and pretend to work. Text and act surprised when someone calls you out for not working. Who, me? Text and whatever. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. We'll be back with the Dono and Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. Good morning, amigo. And then I'd have one more question for him. Did you take steroids? Hold on. Did you take steroids? Why, how can I but do all would, of that and then not ask him? But why would you do that? He's not going to answer that question. Why would you answer such a question? Why not? I'm asking him. I bet you he answers the other two very nicely of without course. a problem. Yeah, so why can't he answer the last up. one? He's going to hang up on us. Why can't he answer the last one? He's going to hang up on us. Just tell me no, he didn't. I'm giving him an opportunity for me to no longer judge this based on what I heard from one person in the New York Times. I don't want to believe it. He didn't take steroids. He ate platanos. Good morning, amigo. Weekdays, 7 to 11, only on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. My mother was always very active and independent, and she was familiar with her neighborhood. But one day, she stopped at the stop sign for much longer than usual. She wasn't even really sure where she was at. It's important for you to talk to someone about it. I felt so much better after my son told me, Mom, we'll figure it out. When something feels different, it could be Alzheimer's. Now is the time to talk. 
Visit alz.org slash ourstories to learn more. A message from the Alzheimer's Association and the Ad Council. There's no losing, only learning. There's no failure, only opportunities. And there's no problems, only solutions. So to me, what failure is, failure is the mother of all success. If it wasn't for Michael Jordan getting cut from his ninth grade basketball team, he wouldn't have became Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, if it wasn't for, uh, I seen an, an article the other day where they were talking about Oprah Winfrey and how she got fired because she wasn't good for television. You know, you got people like Walt Disney who got fired, if I'm not mistaken, from a newspaper saying he had no imagination. So what do you tell them? You tell them, you know? You know that, that all they can do is learn and come back bigger, better, stronger, because all it's gonna do is lead you in the right direction. See, if you're always winning, then you don't really understand what it is to win. You, you gotta take those losses, you gotta take those hits. There's gotta be the valleys, the peaks, the ups, the downs. In order for you to, when it does happen, you go, wow, you know, this is what it's all about. And not only that, it's never about making it, guys, it's always about maintaining it. That's the toughest part. On behalf of all of us here at Slam Radio, we would like to thank you, Pitbull, for making this dream become a reality. This is WWE Superstar The Big Show, and you're listening to Slam Radio. And now we're back with the Donovan Frito Show on Sirius XM 145 Slam Radio. This past Sunday was opening weekend, the opening Sunday in the National Football League. The games that I focused on, Frito, I, I didn't really get a chance to watch the uh, the Sunday night game, but early on, of course, I was watching Dolphins-Patriots, and I was flipping back and forth also with the, the Packers-Vikings game because I, I may have had a few bucks on that. Uh, you know, I watched uh, Brady's Buccaneers and, and the Saints. So, so that that was the big three uh, games that I really focused on on Sunday. What was your viewing experience like well, on the opening Sunday? If you and I were doing a daily talk show here, I would have been completely focused on the Dolphins and during commercial break, maybe going to other games. But that is, you know, it's I, I I went back to that game occasionally. But what I do every Sunday, since I have no, I don't have to focus on one team because I don't have a daily talk show here, is I put on a piece of paper the. And I do this for the early games and the late games. The games where I have players, okay, if I have, uh, you know, let's say I have Joe Mixon. So the Bengals game is, I have the, you know, the, the what's the, uh, the red zone package. And so I put, okay, it's on channel 711, and this player is on channel 8. And so I'm watching on my computer screen what players have the ball. You know, it says, you know, like if it's a quarterback, like uh, I had Carson Wentz. All right, the Eagles have the ball, so it, it indicates on the sports line got the ball oh, so i know that's that awesome. things are happening i go to the eagles game and i i know what channel it's on and after a few minutes i, I just can memorize the channels huh. but i keep going switching back and forth going to this game and that game and this game and that game. so that's my focus is my fantasy team and how each player is uh doing but i had mentioned last week that i was going to uh and, and i got to be careful my wife was sitting just a few feet away from me but i'm not <laughs> saying anything insulting huh. but i was going to stay at home because no no, no. She's looking at me like I'm already found guilty. She's I haven't giving, even. She's giving you the evil eye now. She, no, she knows, they, some, they, she knows well, something's about to be said. No, no, no. She knows. I think the world of her mother. Her mother has been our nanny, and God, we, we'd be lost without her. She's a wonderful woman who's incredibly helpful. But it, and it's her mother's birthday last Sunday, and they were having a tea for her. Huh? She turned eighty-six. Oh wow! Eighty-seven. Excuse me. She she lied about her age. Eighty-seven. Uh, and, she lied, uh, by, by one year she lied about her one year yeah so 
So 87 years old. And again, I don't think I, a, a T and me, even if football wasn't around, I would fit into that. Okay. It's, it's, it's mostly women there. A couple of my brothers in law were there, but it's, it's not for me. And it, and, and I think they were probably glad I wasn't there. My mother-in-law completely understood. I called her, I wished her a happy birthday. Um, but that just wasn't for me. And I planted myself in front of the TV. I watched the early games. I watched the late games, took a little break. I'm a Cowboys fan. I watched them lose on, uh, on Sunday night football. And, and so for me, it's, um, you know, I, the NFL is back and it, it brought a little bit of normalcy to what otherwise is just a horrific year. Yeah, no, it, it, it really did. Um, at, I, I don't think at any point on Sunday when I was watching the games and it wasn't until you know, a little bit later when the uh, w- 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 kind of in that time between the uh, the four o'clock games and the Sunday night game, we, we took my uh, my son out for a little walk and then. You know, my, my wife and I had like movie night during the Sunday night game. No disrespect to your Cowboys, but you know, so, sometimes I sometimes I do give some family time. But pretty much, what you um, watch? Uh, we well, we actually uh, we watched the first Bill and Ted movie, Bill and Ted's okay. Excellent Adventure, because we're we're working our way up to the third one that just came out that's available on streaming. So mm-hmm. so we're gonna watch the because uh, I hadn't watched this movie since like 1992, probably the original one. So we watched the original one. We're gonna watch the sequel at some point this week and then we're going to get the uh the the new one the third one that just came out on demand at some point so yes we so i missed most of the sunday night game for that but no but really from from 1 p.m until 6 45 7 o'clock uh you know I, I wasn't thinking at all about the pandemic i wasn't thinking at all about politics and, and everything going on in the world like i'm just sitting watching football and they were uh in in most of these games right they, they were pumping in crowd noise because at no right. point were we were we sitting and, and watching empty stadiums? I, I, I kind of, uh, I don't know. I mean, they, they weren't showing too many shots of the empty stands, so it, it didn't really feel like anything was different watching these games. I want to ask you about a scoring rule and tell me what you think of this. Again, I'm okay. going off on my, on my tangents here. I have Kyler Murray. I didn't play him. I played Carson Wentz. It both had good games. Murray, it turns out, had a little bit better, but I still wouldn't have won my, my game. But Kyler, in our league, in a lot of leagues, if you rush over 100 yards, you get a bonus, you get bonus points. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray had over hundred yards, but at the end of the game, he took like two or three knees. And when you take a knee, it subtracts yardage from your rushing total. Uh, and he fell back below a hundred uh, off his fantasy owners points. Do you think if a quarterback takes a knee, should they take rushing yards off his total? Um, only yes, because that's the NFL rule for the statistics. Like I, yeah. so, so I, I don't, I wouldn't expect the fantasy providers to go rogue and say, technically it doesn't count. Cause then you're dealing with, you have to make sure they're counting the yards, you know, correctly or, or whatever. They make sure they, they got all the kneels, right? So, so I, to me, unless the NFL were to change that rule and, and they might as well, cause it's kind of ridiculous to count taking a knee at the end of the game as a negative rushing staff. But no, I, I don't I don't blame the uh, the fantasy companies for doing that because I think it's important for them to be completely objective, right? That, that you just tabulate strictly on the official stats and nothing else. You know there's somebody out there that lost by like half a point yeah. because of the, the scoring thing. I remember years ago I was playing a guy we used to work with named Trevor Murray, and I was playing him in the playoffs. And all it was one play to go. One play to end, it was a Packers-Vikings game. And it was one play left. It was like seconds left. And I just needed the game to end. And I was, this was a playoff, and I was going to win. 
But there was some, I think on the last play, his defense got a sack, which credit him with a point, which put him a half point ahead of me to win that game. And I lost in the playoffs because it was like almost anything else would have been fine. But just don't sack him. And I lost that way. When you lose, like especially in the playoffs, with something at the very end like that that is otherwise meaningless, it's just crushing. I don't know if they they still do these because I can't remember the last time this happened to me. So maybe the live scoring is just better than it used to be. But do they still do stat corrections like midweek and fan or, or maybe that 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 might come because of official NFL corrections actually. But uh, I can remember this like it was yesterday, and this probably happened 11, 12 years ago. Actually, losing a fantasy game due to a midweek stat correction. <laughs> so so I had actually like I, I had come out of of like like lot like Monday night thinking I had won I don't think it was a playoff game but it still pissed me off so I had come out of uh I had come out of the weekend thinking I had won my game by like a point it was a razor thin margin and then midweek I check it and there was a, a correction and I lost yeah. my game by a point so there was a two point swing because of uh, of a midweek stack correction it hasn't happened to me in a long time so I don't I don't know if if these leagues still do that or if they just make sure they get it right the first time but. That really annoyed me. I would think you'd have to, right? I mean, if you know, yeah. guy, if, say a guy was credited with rushing over 100 yards, and all of a sudden he's not, well, that you take away yeah. five points, at least our, that's in our league, and and uh, you know you lose. I I, I tell you, I, guys, I feel bad for. Not, let's forget fantasy players. Guys like Marlon Mack plays one game, injures his Achilles, out for the year. Awesome. Or you got other guys like Michael Thomas, high ankle sprain. He said, "I'm going to play through it." Now I. I been put on IR and, and these IR you're out for three weeks and uh you know you, you, you just hate to see injuries and for a guy knocked out for an entire season right at the beginning that's 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 tough and uh and, and I don't know about so. you but I had a feeling that in the first few weeks of this season we're going to see more injuries than usual just because training mm-hmm. camp was abbreviated um no preseason whatsoever so I, I just can't imagine that these players are in as good a shape as they usually would be to start a year. And unfortunately, when you, you know, I know that there's always two schools of thought on it. Some people think that a great way to prevent injuries is to practice a lot less or have less contact in practice. But on the, on the flip side of that, if you're practicing a lot less and not having as much contact in practice, you're also not preparing your body for the contact that's going to happen on Sunday. And so, yeah, I, I think that, you know, we, we saw – Sadly, too much of it week one, and I think it's going to continue, I think, for the next couple of weeks that we're going to see more injuries than we usually would just because people's bodies weren't ready for this. I was telling my my kids and my wife this. There was a guy, I think his name was Eddie Lee Ivory, a running back for the Packers. I think that's who it was. And I was growing up, and I was maybe in my teens, and first game of the year, they play the Bears. Gets hit, gets knocked out for the year. Game one, comes back next year, they play the Bears again. Gets hit. Re-injures, knocked out for the year. Two years in a row, he plays the first game and is gone. I, oh, yeah, that's, oh, that's just awful. crushing. Oh, and these guys have a short shelf life as, as it is. Jeez, oh man, well, that's going to do it for us. I, I had another great time on this episode. I mean, we, we cover anything from NFL football to NBA playoffs to the Sopranos. You, you get a little bit of everything <laughs> here on the Dono and Vrito Show. Huge thanks to uh you know the man in the back who makes this thing go frank fernandez uh, who does an awesome job thanks again to larry million the amigo 
for doing so much work behind the scenes for getting us on the air in the first place. We're going to talk to you guys next Thursday. You'll have another week of NFL football in the books. We'll preview the games coming up as well. We'll talk more about the Sopranos, I'm sure. Maybe throw in some food talk. We'll talk to everybody next Thursday. For Frito, I'm Dono here on the Dono and Frito Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Dono and Frito Show are entirely those of the hosts, guests, and callers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Slam Radio.